Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. everyone. Welcome back to another episode. So as you know, I like to start off each episode um, telling you a little bit about me. I figure if we're going to spend some time together, we should probably get to know each other. And uh, I know there are some of my listeners that I've never met before. And um, I would love that to change. I would love to get to know you and, you know, see if there's specific things that you're struggling with or that you're finding challenging so that I can help you Um, or just get to know you as a person because I think it's awesome you're here and I'm just so thankful that you're here. Uh, This past weekend, Jim, my husband, and I celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary and we were thinking about what we wanted to do And, you know, it's 19, so it's not as exciting as 20, but we still wanted to celebrate somehow. And my daughters were going away on a sleepover uh, with some friends. And I was like, Jim, you know, it's just the boys that are home and they can take care of themselves. Do you, do you want to go out to eat? We have some gift cards that we haven't used. This would be a great opportunity. So we did. We went out to dinner. Uh, But one of our traditions that we follow every single year is we always end our night at this restaurant called Firebirds. I don't know if there's a Firebirds near you. Um, It's like a steakhouse, but they have the most amazing dessert. So one of my favorite, favorite desserts of all time is creme brulee. Absolutely love it. And at Firebirds, they have a creme brulee cheesecake. So you've got all that amazing creamy goodness of a cheesecake, but then they torch the top of it and make that creme brulee crust on top and ugh, it is just amazing. I'd love to say it's low calorie, but I would be lying. (laughs) In fact, I know how many calories are on it because it's listed right on the menu and I don't care. I don't care if it's a thousand calories. I wouldn't even care if it was 20,000 calories because we have created this tradition where every single year on our anniversary, we share a piece of this cheesecake. And it's funny because we don't let ourselves eat this cheesecake any other time of year, even though this restaurant is about three miles from our house. Like it's something we have considered special and unique just to our anniversary. So it doesn't matter if we go out to dinner at any random restaurant, we will always finish the night on anniversary night with a piece of creme brulee cheesecake. And I was laughing because my one friend, um, we actually posted the picture of the cheesecake on on Facebook and my one friend commented like, girl, you need your own piece of cheesecake, like no sharing. And yes, again, I would have no, you know, problems eating my own piece of cheesecake, but 
I told her, I'm like, no, we're sharing it because we're in love. Like think of, think of a couple sharing a milkshake with two straws. The problem is I just don't like milkshakes. So the creme brulee cheesecake is my milkshake right now. And she just rolled her eyes, which she should have because I was totally being sarcastic and trying to be funny at the time. But anyway, um, yeah, 19 years. So we're trying to figure out what does 20 look like? Um, you know, where do we go? You know, do we go to the beach? Do we go down south somewhere? You guys know how much I like the south. Um, I would love to like integrate some type of concert in there, specifically a country concert. Uh, it was my birthday a few days ago and Jim got me a pair of cowboy boots and I am so excited, like super, super excited. I cannot wait to wear these. I texted my one friend and I was like, look at these boots and she loves country music like I do. And she said, you must wear them everywhere. And I texted back. I know even to yoga, that is how much I love these boots, but I still have not worn them yet because I'm trying to figure out where to where to wear them. Um, just I'm working on it. So stay tuned for the boot saga. Like I will let you know when we finally get to go to a fun place so I can wear them. All right. So you did not come here to listen to me talk about boots. You came here to listen to me talk about nutrition. And I want to tackle a topic today that I think a lot of my clients, um, myself at one point struggled with this and something that I see a lot of, and I think this is really going to resonate with a lot of people and make them think and perhaps hopefully think differently. So I'm titling this podcast, Are You a Fair Weather Fan? And then in parentheses of yourself. So do you consider yourself a fair weather fan? So for those of you that are not sports enthusiasts, let's talk about what exactly is a fair weather fan. So we use that, that terminology, we use that expression uh, for somebody who only follows a sports team when they're doing well, right? Like you call yourself a fair weather fan. Like uh, we live outside of Philadelphia. So we are big Philly fans, whether it's the actual Phillies in baseball, the Sixers in basketball, the Eagles in football. I don't follow a lot of hockey, um, but if I did, it would be the Flyers. Like we just love supporting our home team. And so today actually marks the opening day of football season and the Eagles won in case you were curious. I know you all are. Uh, but would you consider yourself a fair weather fan? Do you only watch sports when your team is doing well? Do you only show up when they're on a streak? Or are you the type of fan that shows up no matter what? Like knowing that not every season is going to be a playoff season. Do you still show up when the team is doing bad? We can even take fair weather fan from the literal sense. Like, do you only show up to games when the weather is nice? You know, for me, my hand is raised high when it comes to football games. Because as you know, I hate cold weather. 
I hate it with a passion. It's probably 70 degrees today, but it's rainy and I am fully in my sweatpants and my sweatshirt and I'm all bundled up and just as happy as can be. But I hate being cold. And so I am totally a fair weather fan when it comes to the literal sense of the weather. Like I'll go to an Eagles game in September, but no, I have no desire to go in December. Yeah, I'll go to the Phillies in June and July and August. Yep, sign me up. I'm there. But there is no way that I'm going opening day, uh, you know, or during preseason in April. Like, nope, not doing it. So I'm totally a fair weather fan in the literal sense. Um, But, you know, am I a fair weather fan when it comes to Philly sports teams? Uh, Maybe. Maybe a little bit, but I'd like to say that I still root for them no matter what. But it's definitely more fun to root for a team when they're doing well, right? This is, this is not, I'm not saying anything new here. Like when things are going well, it's easy to root for your team. It's easy to show up because it's exciting. You know that you're going to get results because, you know, they're hitting home runs. They're throwing touchdowns. It's going to be a fun game. You're going to win. It's easy to be a fan when things are going well, when the team plays well. What's not easy is going to the games when the weather is cold, when the team is losing, when they're struggling. That's when you want to bail. That's when it's easy to just throw in the towel and say, I'll show up next season. And so my question is, are you a fair weather fan of yourself? So why this is really important is I want to tell you the difference between my successful clients and the ones that are struggling. My successful clients show up, period. My clients that struggle only show up when they're motivated. Let me say that again. My successful clients show up, period. They show up when they're motivated. They show up when they're not motivated. They, f- they just keep showing up, imperfect and all. Whereas my people that struggle and, you know, keep finding themselves in the cycle of just, you know, having a little success and then backsliding and a little success and backsliding. Those are the ones that have only figured out how to show up for themselves when they're feeling motivated. And then the minute they lose that little bit of motivation, the wheels come off. We need to transition you if you are in that, if you are in that part where you just, you find yourself doing well and then backsliding well and then backsliding. We need to teach you how to move from showing up when motivated to showing up, period. And I'm going to teach you some of those concepts today. All right. So again, it's easy to show up when we're motivated, but showing up when you're motivated means showing yourself conditional love, right? It means only loving yourself, only giving 
props to yourself, only celebrating yourself when you're doing good things. And guys, like that, it's just not even possible to push the needle forward all the time. I know when I do um, uh, this one workout, all right, for some of you that are looking for workouts, I love this um, free, free is the word I'm, I'm going to emphasize, uh, these free workouts. The website is called Nourish, Move, Love, and I love it. The girl's name is Lindsay Baumgren. I think she's from Minnesota, so I will never visit her because it will be cold, but um, she always talks about in her training, especially if I do a, a video that's more of like hit style, she always says, guys, you have to bring your heart rate down so it has somewhere to go. You can't just keep pushing, 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 pushing. You got to bring yourself back down if you want to bring it back up. And we can't keep pushing. Like there's going to be days where we're motivated and we want to do all the things. And then there's going to be days when we're not, when it's raining, when we're tired, when we didn't get a good night's sleep the night before, when, you know, we're out with friends. And if we're only excited to show up when things are going well and when all the stars line up, We're going to be really disappointed on the days where they don't. And if we're constantly giving up on the days where they don't, we're going to constantly be in the cycle of move forward, slide back, move forward, slide back. And another year will go by and another decade will go by and we're going to be frustrated. Why did I not do anything? Why did I not just move forward a little bit? Instead, I'm right where I started. I hope this is making sense. All right. So we have to figure out how to show up for ourselves and make decisions, the hard decisions sometimes, even when we don't feel like it. Because here's the thing. We cannot rely on motivation. We can't. We can try to summon it up, summon it up. That was the word I was trying to say. Uh, We can try, we can read inspirational quotes, we can try to have different thoughts, but some days we just don't got it. But we need to show up anyway, because motivation, it's fickle. We cannot rely on it. So today's episode is all about teaching you what are some like four things that we can do to show up for ourselves. So when we don't feel like it, we show up anyway. Because we know that what we do consistently is what ultimately has the most impact on our results. I tell this to my clients all the time. You eating one salad is not going to make you lose weight. You doing one workout is not going to make you lose weight. And on the flip side, you eating one piece of creme brulee cheesecake is not going to make you gain weight. These one-off action steps do not have complete power over your results. It's how you show up for yourself consistently. That is what impacts your results. And for some of you, you're not showing up for yourself consistently. You're a fair weather friend. You show up when it's easy, when you're motivated, and then you backslide the minute that motivation leaves you. So let's talk today about four things that you can do I think I have four things or maybe I have three things. You know what? I only have three things. (laughs) 
I think I consolidated. I initially started out with seven and I'm like, you know, that's too many. I can combine some of these. So what are three things you can do to help you show up so that you can get the results you're looking for? All right. Remember, we're no longer going to just show up when we're motivated. We're going to show up, period. All right. So the first step is we need to create time to make habits. We need to create time for habits. All right. So it's, it's actually, I, I don't want to make it sound, just because it's simple to say doesn't mean it's easy to do. So what do I mean by this? We have to actually carve time into our schedule to do the things. They're not just going to miraculously happen. I just had this conversation with a lady earlier in the week. She was getting really frustrated that she wasn't exercising. And she was retired. And she's like, I don't have an excuse. I have all day. My husband goes out and works, you know, and you know, messes around. I'm home all day. But yet, do you think I could find a time to exercise? You know, and so we always talk about did you ever hear the book, if you, is it, if you give them a mouse a muffin or a moose a muffin? I think it's if you give a moose a muffin. I think it's if you give a mouse a cookie. I don't know. Look it up. I forget the author's name, but it is this whole thing about how we get distracted. And honestly, it's a story about women, mothers, people that are trying to multitask. The premise is, you know, you do one thing and in the middle of that one thing you find uh, something else to do and you forget to do the first thing and then before you know it you're th 10 things deep and still haven't done the first thing yet so like for me today it's oh let me go throw a load of laundry in but on the way to the wash machine I noticed that the dishwasher needs emptying so I, I put the laundry down and figure let me just empty the dishwasher first and while I'm emptying the dishwasher um, I realize that you know there's food all over the counter when I'm putting away the spoons and above the spoon spoon drawer, the counter's messy. So I stop putting the spoons away and I go to clean the counter. And when I go to clean the counter, I realize that, you know, somebody put the towels for the bathroom into the drawer where the towels go for the kitchen towels. And so I stop what I'm doing and I take the towels up to the bathroom. And when I'm in the bathroom, I realize that <sighs> it's a mess. <laughs> Three boys, it's a mess. So you get the picture here, right? you know, we kind of spiral. And so I was telling this lady, you know, that's how our days go. If we don't give it structure, if we don't assign time and tasks to our day, just the normal parts of the day are going to take ownership over us. And so I told her, I'm like, why don't you just schedule your workouts? One o'clock exercise, right? Then it doesn't matter what you're doing at one o'clock you stop and you go work out and then you can pick up the rest of the stuff later. But for a lot of us, we won't commit to taking care of ourselves. And that's where I think things go south, right? We don't commit to taking care of ourselves, to taking the time to create habits. We think, we hope, we wish that time will miraculously just appear and then we can work on those habits. No, we have to take the time. We have to be intentional about our time. Guys, you know, I've said this before and I'm just going to say it again. You know my morning routine. I wake up and the very first thing that I do is I read 
my Bible and I plan out my day for food, right? But it is an intentional choice every morning because what I really want to do is go check my phone first and check if there was any emails that came through, check my socials posts to see if anybody had any questions or, you know, if anybody saw what I posted yesterday and commented on it or liked it. I'm just being real with you, right? Um, That is what I want to do first. But I force myself to do the other stuff first because I know that that's so important to setting my day up for success. It is an intentional habit that I've created. So much so that if I don't do those things right away, my brain is like, hold on a second, we, we missed a step somewhere. And then I can go course correct, right? We have to create time to make habits. And for a lot of us, that means creating boundaries around other things. Right. For me, that boundary is I charge my phone downstairs so that way the very first thing that I do is stay upstairs where my Bible and my journal is versus having to do the extra work of going downstairs to grab my phone first. I try to be very intentional about where I place the phone so it's not convenient so that I don't break the habit that I'm trying to create. And, you know, it's so easy. Oh, I'm just going to check. It'll only take like five seconds. And then before I know it, I'm spiraling because I'm just scrolling through useless stuff. And then I've wasted 30 minutes. And now I don't have time to do my habit because I got to get the kids up and ready for school. You have to create time for your habits and then you have to fiercely protect them. Because there are so many things clamoring for your attention. So the good news is, is you don't have to create all the habits at once. You just have to create one habit. And you don't even have to create the habit perfectly to start. You know, for some of you, the habit you want to start, you know, is maybe exercise. You know, you're really struggling to be motivated to exercise. And that's the nice thing about habits, because habits just take over And your brain just works on autopilot and it doesn't care if you're motivated or not. It just likes to work on autopilot. It's the whole reason you create habits. But habits aren't just going to appear magically. You have to create time in order to practice the habit. But then once you got it, you got it. And then you can expand. So, you know, when I think of exercise, these are the two extremes I see for my, for my clients, it's either no exercise at all on one end of the spectrum. And then all the way, like, you know, all the way on the other side of the spectrum is an hour of exercise. And we feel like we either have to be at one end or the other. And I keep telling people like, there's a lot of gray area between zero minutes and 60 minutes. Like, why do we think it has to be one or the other? Like, how about we just start with five? or 10, right? But in our heads, well, that's not good enough because if it's not an hour, then why bother? Well, because in the beginning, you're trying to create a habit. And when you try to create habits, you make them so ridiculously simple that you can't possibly fail. That's how you create a habit. Make it so ridiculously simple, you can't possibly fail, right? For some people, it's adding vegetables to their lunch, all right, add a carrot, add one baby carrot 
to your lunch. That's all you have to do. It doesn't have to be three servings of salad with your lunch. It just has to be one baby carrot to start. And you just get in the habit of seeing a vegetable on your plate and we build from there. All right, guys, but we have to just start somewhere and we start messy and imperfect because anytime you create a new habit, it is going to feel clumsy. It's going to feel different. Your brain's not used to doing this new action and that is okay. I was just telling my daughter this the other day because she was complaining that, um, I don't forget what we were doing exactly, but she's like, this doesn't feel right. I'm like, it's not supposed to feel right. You've never done it before. But with repetition, it's going to get easier. All right. So remember, habits are what keep you in the game. They keep you showing up. And then you don't have to rely on motivation to get you through. Um, I talked about this the other week. I don't know if it was either on like Instagram post, but you know, I, I do enjoy exercise because I've, I've been in a habit of doing it for several years now. But I have to tell you, when the alarm goes off, my first thought isn't, oh, let me go grab my shorts and shirt. My first thought is, oh, it's so dark out. Oh, it's probably cold out of the covers. I'm kind of tired. I don't feel like it. I mean, those are my initial thoughts. And I've been exercising for years and I love exercise. But if I was waiting for like the words like, I can't wait to exercise to pop into my brain, I don't know when I'd be exercising. And I'm a person that's been doing it forever. So just something to think about. All right. Even the people that have been doing it forever, the ones that you think, you know, it just comes so naturally. Maybe it's not motivation that's getting them in the game. Maybe it's just the 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 fact that they've established a habit and the habit has taken over and that's how they consistently show up for themselves. So number one is you've got to create time and space for habits. And in order to do that well, sometimes that requires creating boundaries. So you can protect that time and space to show up for yourself. All right. So that's number one. All right. The second tip is you have to stop hiding. You have to stop hiding. You have to get help instead of hiding. All right. So what do I mean by this? I cannot tell you how many of my clients, the minute that they don't do what they think they should be doing, what they think they're supposed to be doing, they cancel their appointments. They cancel. It's almost as if if I don't have anything positive to report, then I don't want to come at all. And that's normal. That's very normal. We want to show people the best versions of ourselves. And coming into appointment and admitting that you didn't do the work or that you tried and failed miserably, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't, right? I mean, I'm not... I'm not trying to act like this is such inappropriate behavior. I'm just trying to paint the scene here. You know, I know when I, you know, have a, a task that I want to complete and if I don't do it, it feels shameful to have to admit that I didn't do what I said I was going to do, right? And so instead of leaning into that and getting additional help or tools or resources, it's easy to just hide 
and kind of avoid that, that shame that we expect. Or I love it when clients tell me like, I knew you were going to yell at me. (laughs) To which I then say like, when have I ever yelled at you? They're like, well, no, you don't ever yell. You actually come up, help me come up with better solutions. I was like, well, if you know that, then why do you want to cancel? (laughs) Right? It's common. Like I said, it's very common. It's normal for people to want to hide when they're, they're struggling, when they feel like they don't have any wins to share. But you have to remember that the greatest lessons occur when people are stuck. The greatest lessons and ideas come when people are in failure. You may have figured out a way that doesn't work, but that doesn't mean that it is all doomed to fail. There still could be new techniques and tips to learn that work for you. And I think that happens a lot of times with motivation. We try one time and if it fails, well, I guess that I'm just not meant to to be successful in this area. That's not true. You have just found one way that isn't a way to be successful in this area. All right. We have to be careful that we don't hide, right? And this is where compassion comes in. And this is where grace comes in. As my pastor always says, grace on top of grace on top of grace, right? You know, if you're only going to feel good about yourself and, and got your back and are motivated when you're doing well, what happens to the times when you're not? Right? That's when we need to have compassion for ourselves and we have to talk to ourselves like we would talk to a four-year-old. If we wouldn't say nasty, mean things to a four-year-old, we have no business saying them to ourselves either. Because right? what happens when you feel bad about yourself? For the majority of us, we seek out a coping strategy. And for a lot of us, we're not seeking out positive coping strategies. We're doing things like drinking or overeating or online shopping or smoking or, you know, whatever it is that's unhealthy for us. Binge watching just to check out. All right. So remember, when things aren't going well, this is your opportunity to seek out help and find alternative solutions. But hiding will never allow you to do that. And when you're in hiding and you're just living in your shame bubble, you're never going to be in a place where you can come up with constructive solutions to figure it out. And when you're in that like dark place, it's really hard to find motivation. I can't tell you, and I'm not saying this because I'm such an amazing dietitian. Uh, I'm sure Any of the dietitians I work with, my practice or any practice would say the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I hear from people at the end of a session. I'm so glad I came in today. I always feel so much better after I talk to you. Like I come in feeling defeated, but I, I leave feeling motivated and confident and proud of myself. And I don't know why I always want to hide and cancel. I have to remember this feeling right here. And honestly, it's like the most amazing compliment to hear people say that. I mean, it does. It makes me feel good that I can give them that hope. But 
that wouldn't have happened if they canceled. All right. So we've got to create time and space to create habits. And sometimes that means creating boundaries. And we need to get help instead of hiding. So when we're in those places of confusion or struggling, you know, not doing well, whatever you want to call it, we can come up with new ways, new tips, new resources to get back into the game again. So we can show up. All right. And then the third thing that we need to do is we need to figure out when it's appropriate to dial it back. Remember I said earlier with my workouts, how my, the lady says, you've got to you got to bring your heart rate down if you want to give it some place to go. And sometimes pushing, pushing, pushing isn't the right answer. Push through. I just need to work harder. I just need more willpower. I just need motivation. Sometimes pulling back and doing minimum work, still showing up for yourself, but bringing the intensity down a bit is a way of showing yourself compassion and love and catching your breath so you can dial it back up again. We don't need to always be pushing the envelope. We don't always need to be doing the hardest workout. We don't always need to be doing the most restrictive diet. That is the quickest way to burn out. Sometimes we need to dial it back and just do small positive things give ourselves a chance to breathe and work through it because not every day is going to be a stellar day and then bring it back up again. You know, I talked about a, um, this concept called minimum baseline requirements. Uh, I'm taped that a little bit over a year ago, back in May of 2021. I think it was episode 53, if you want to go back and listen to it. Um, but it's all about, you know, creating a plan that enables you to show up for yourself that still keeps you in the game. It may not be, you know, the (laughs) lack of better word, balls to the wall, um, plan that you want to do that you see yourself doing that you're aspiring to do, but it allows for you to show up and still can, you know, still do a good thing, still do a good thing. It may not be your 60-minute workout, but it might be just a five-minute workout where you can say, yep, I still showed up today. I kept the momentum going. I kept the consistency going. It wasn't all or nothing. I still showed up. And I showed up in a way that felt authentic to me today. And sometimes we need to back it off for a day or two. And sometimes we need to back it off for a week or two. And sometimes we need to back it off for a month or two. Right? Depending on where you're at and your situation, for so many of you, you have got so much going on. And I see you, and I hear you, and I know you are doing the best you can. All right, There is no shame in backing off and giving yourself some compassion and giving yourself some breathing room so that you can collect yourself and move forward. All right? In doing that, sometimes when you're in those moments, you need to focus on things that bring you joy, whether that's going outside and being in nature, whether that's going for a walk, 
reading a good book, talking to a friend. You know, my daughter said in, in health class right now, they're working on physical health, emotional health, and social health. You know, for a lot of us, we think of health just in the physical realm. You know, how are you taking care of your body? Are you moving it? Are you drinking water? Are you eating well? But health encompasses so much more than just physical health. And if you are compromising your emotional health or even your social health for physical health, then I will argue that you do not have health. Right? It's, you're not going to be 100% at all three. It's not possible. And when one's out of whack, we have to pull back on the other two to give attention to the other. It's a constant dynamic flux. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I like to listen to podcasts for some, you know, just continuing education um, and just to learn more concepts so I can share them with you. And the lady said on it, she's like, guys, listen, the finish line is death. All right. There is no place where you're like, Yay, I did it. I'm all done. I have done all the things, right? I have achieved the perfect level of health or weight loss or mindset work. Like, no, the finish line is death. We will constantly be evolving and changing and growing. And that is a beautiful thing. So we've got to take these unrealistic expectations off ourselves. The ones that say we have to keep going just more, 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 more. Meanwhile, we're burning out. We're feeling like we're failing because ultimately what will happen is we will just quit and we will stop. And I know that is not what you want either. So. I don't know. Do we need to review them one more time? I think we got them because I've been reviewing this whole time. All right, guys, let me give you your recipe for the week. So this actually comes out of a cookbook. I'm very excited about this cookbook. It's by Jessica Merchant, and it is called Everyday Dinners, Real Life Recipes to Set Your Family Up for a Week for Success. I wish I was getting a kickback from her for um, <laughs> for sharing this cookbook with you, but I'm not. I'm not getting any money for recommending it. Um, I've only made one recipe out of it so far, and it was delicious. Uh, this is one that I want to make uh, coming up in the next week or two. So I full disclaimer, I have not made it yet, but I'm going to. Uh, it looks delicious. So this is a sheet pan cashew chicken. So for this recipe, you're going to need a half a cup of soy sauce, six tablespoons of honey, two tablespoons of rice wine vinegar, two tablespoons of toasted sesame oil, three cloves of minced garlic, two teaspoons of freshly grated ginger. Alternatively, you can use the stuff in the tubes. It works fine. Uh, you're going to need one red bell pepper chopped, one orange bell pepper chopped, one red onion chopped, two boneless skinless chicken breast cut into one inch pieces. Guys, all right, I'm interrupting myself for a second here. I like to use chicken tenders because they're already cut into strips. So it's so much easier to cut them into one inch pieces when half the work's done for you. So I just buy a pack of chicken tenders and cut them up. Okay. That was my small, um, disclaimer back to the recipe. You're going to need one cup of raw unsalted cashews 
And then you can um, put some cooked brown rice on the side and some fresh scallions for um, a garnish or for topping. Okay, so I know it's a lot of ingredients, but stick with me because it's really, really simple. All right, so you're going to preheat the oven to 425 degrees. And then in a bowl, you're going to whisk together the soy sauce, the honey, the vinegar, the sesame oil, the garlic, and the ginger. Okay, so you're literally just making the marinade and throwing it all in a bowl. Go ahead and set that to a side. You're going to place the bell peppers and the onions on a baking sheet and cover them with half of the sauce and go ahead and kind of toss it all together and roast it in the oven for 15 minutes. Okay. Meanwhile, place the chicken in a bowl and cover it with the remaining sauce. So while the vegetables are cooking, you're going to marinate your chicken. And then after 15 minutes, push the vegetables to one side and place the chicken pieces in the marinated, in the marinated, in the marinade on the baking sheet and add the cashews. And then you're going to roast that for another 15 minutes until the chicken is cooked through. All right, so you got me. We're going to do the vegetables first so that way they can get really soft and then we'll push them off to the side and then we'll add the chicken and cashews and then we're going to just toss everything together um, on the sheet pan just to stir it all up and get that yummy sauce everywhere and serve it over rice and then top with scallions and that's it a really really simple easy weeknight dinner recipe um, I know my one daughter is all excited about trying this she has since um, this is Bella Bella has told me that her favorite food is well her favorite food is sushi her second favorite food is anything Asian, and her third favorite food is chili. And I made chili today for the football game, so I was all excited because I got one of her top three. Didn't even know it. So this sheet pan cashew chicken, I think, falls into the anything Asian category, so I will let you know what Bella thinks of the dish when I make it. All right, guys, that's what I have for you this week. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.